Good day, everyone. This is Matt with A Cup of Freedom. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Today is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in Him. I've got my cup of coffee, my Javalia coffee this morning. It's a good, bold, strong cup. I hope you're enjoying a cup wherever you are listening from. And that's what we do on this podcast. We celebrate the freedom that we already have in Jesus Christ, and we drink a really good cup of coffee. So it's freedom in Christ and coffee, coffee in Jesus, Jesus and coffee. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you wherever you are listening from. We've been doing a series on the battle of the mind and really uh, this idea that these thoughts that are coming at us and some of them we're taking ownership of, that the real battle for for transformation in our lives is the thoughts and beliefs that we have. We focus on behavior. We're trying to change or fix addictions or fleshly behaviors, but ultimately the 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 way of transformation in our behavior is through recognizing thoughts that may not line up with God's truth. And it's that's the real battlefield. God's already won the battle through Jesus Christ on the cross and resurrection to set you fully free, to fully forgive you, to to make you fully complete, to give you a brand new identity, uh, to be your source for everything. All those are true. It will always be true. But our experience of that oftentimes has to do with what we're thinking and believing. And so this is what we've been talking about. I hope you've been able to catch up. And what I want to do today is I want to go over a, a verse or a couple of verses that that uh, God's even re- renewed my mind to to what they're talking about, what they're speaking about, thinking about, you know, what I used to think these verses were about. And I use these scriptures a lot, especially in dealing with, uh, you know, in dealing with addictive behaviors. But I want to kind of talk through it and and give you some additional thoughts. But, you know, so if scripture says, and we know this, I share this verse all the time, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the truth sets us free, well, then obviously the lies we believe keep us in bondage. You know, so what's behind our behavior, what's behind the flesh, what's behind the addiction is these lying beliefs. It's thoughts that have that we've taken ownership of and now they've become beliefs. And so, so I believe that the way this works out, too, is that oftentimes if he can control your if, – if the enemy can present you a lie or the flesh or the power of sin or the world or whatever can present you a lie or a thought that, that's not true, then, then uh, he can – and you believe it and you, you accept it, you take ownership of it, then you're, you're, in, you're in bondage in your thought life. You're not in bondage at the core of who you are, but you're in bondage in your thought life. And so as a man thinketh, right, so he is. So if I think that I'm a no good, dirty, rotten, whatever, then I'm going to behave in that way. I think and believe that. And so I truly believe how many how many Christians are living in bondage, okay, to lying thoughts, which lead to lying beliefs, and then they want freedom. They want to experience this freedom that Jesus says they already have, and yet... They're not. So I kind of I, – I think this takes place in two really big ways, uh, a third way for sure, but two really big ones. And, and number one is thoughts about the true knowledge of God. So in other words, there are lies about so, – so these lies, that are these thoughts that are not true often come in the form of presenting God in a way in which he's not. So it's a false concept, a false, false beliefs about God, which I had so many – 
uh, of the, of those, uh, but a few core ones really that I could narrow down to uh, that were that, that I had. About. But then and then also the other one is a false concept or a false understanding or a distorted, I would say, even understanding of our identity in Christ. So if if those thoughts can attack those two areas, if they can attack those two areas. That's the primary re- – now, an- another way they attack is with our perception of other people, how we view others. But um, but we won't go into that as much today. But it's really this perception of God and this perception of ourselves in how we view ourselves. And so any distortion of God that's not true based on the, based on the, the, the true God, right, a true knowledge of who God really is uh, and what he's done to accomplish our freedom is so crucial in living – uh, well, living mentally healthy, I would say, living in a in a in a sound mindedness of Scripture calls it, living in the truth, will be having a true a true understanding of God, who God is, what He accomplished through Jesus Christ, and and then what you have available to that, and then secondly, a true understanding of your identity apart from your behavior. That's so key. Apart from what you're doing or not doing which is so hard for us to do. It's hard for us to separate our, our actions, our behaviors in any area of our lives f- apart from who we are, that we're, we're, we're his sons, we're his much-loved sons and daughters, and yet we focus so much on what we're doing, all the religiosity of it or even the addictive behaviors or even just other roles that we play in our lives that, that this is who we are. I am my job. I am my marriage. I am my... My what I am in the community. I am what what other people see me to be. All those kind of things. I am what my church says. I am what all that. And and, and yet in the, in the in the end of this, we need to know what God says about us, right? So those are the two ways. And so this is going to lead into this verse because as I as, as these couple of verses because if we if we have a false concept of God, which I think all of us grow up with that, and we still can even as Christians can still have false concepts of God, then. Um, we aren't going to automatically believe the truth about God, and we aren't going to automatically believe the truth about our identity in Christ. Our, our minds, to some degree, have been programmed, just like a computer's been programmed, uh, to believe certain things about God and certain things about ourselves. That comes from our experiences, comes from what we've been told, uh, it can come from just even a, a false sense of religion and religiosity that's been put onto us, and just those thoughts that we've accepted to be as true. And so so what, what, what God wants to do in the renewing of the mind is uh, just like your computer sometimes needs a, needs a reboot, right? Needs to restart, needs a clear, right? We need, to, we need to clear that out. That's what God wants to do in this because those false conceptions of God and, and ourselves lead to lying beliefs, lead to all, all of this. And so uh, I, 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 I can't tell you how many now, especially now that I've been in this space of of coaching and counseling with individuals, just how many just see themselves as just a no good, dirty, rotten sinner, whatever whatever their behavior may be. Okay, it, it, it's yes, surely I do work with 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 more that struggle with the issue of lust and pornography and stuff. But it could be, I see myself as an alcoholic or an addict or a whatever that may be, or a, or a fornicator or a drunkard or a, I don't know what or a, per, a perfectionist or a or a I don't know, self-sufficient, whatever, whatever word is, you you insert the lie, unword, whatever it is, right? We see ourselves as that, and so then, so then, most of us then, what we do though is we try to we try to create the impression of that that's not really who we are, though. 
uh, we try to create the impression of strength instead of, well, this is what I really think about myself. So we create two versions of ourselves. I never said, well, hi, I'm Mike. I'm, I'm unworthy and I'm a porn addict. I never introduced myself as that, right? I have deep senses of inadequacy and unworthiness and unacceptance and, and all of these kind of things. Hi, nice to meet you. No, but deep down, this is the way we've felt about it and then ultimately thought about it and believed it, right? And so the enemy wants to keep us in that. He wants us to believe us that. His plan is... Is is it's not even about whether you're looking at porn or not. His plan is for you not to trust God. Ultimately, his plan is to distort your version of God and distort your version of yourself. It's not even really about the behavior. I mean, yes, the behavior is destructive, but it's 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 the belief system. So that's where that's where this works so deeply in our mind. And so, it, it, on the other hand. If you believe the truth about your identity in Christ, if you're believing that, if you're believing you have a good concept of the living God as your loving Father, you will experience not only because you're already free, but you'll experience this freedom from these life controlling lies, bondages. Uh, a, a person who is who is free in Christ, which I've said to you, if you're in Christ, you're already free. Uh, but a person who's who's thinking and believing on that freedom. Uh, won't engage in these fleshly behaviors because they are they're living and thinking out of truth. So so that's that's the inner transformation that God wants to do in us. So these mental strongholds, which is where the scripture. I want to go ahead and read the scripture, and then we want to talk through it for these last uh, few minutes or so, and give you a few give you a few of these. So these mental and, and it presents this idea of mental strongholds, and you've heard this scripture read many times, but it's Second Corinthians ten three through five. So here it is. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So there's that verse, right? Taking captain. That's why I called this uh, this 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 podcast today, taking thoughts captive in the battle of the mind. So the way I've the way, and so I want to talk through this because that's the verse we heard. We've all heard this verse. I need to I need to take thoughts captive, right? So and I want to talk about this maybe in a new way that you've that you've not heard. So again, the idea of stronghold, mental stronghold. But when I've read these verses, I don't know. I've probably read this verse and these verses, I don't know, hundreds of times. And heard a lot of lessons on it, a lot of teaching on it. And most of the time, the general idea is what I've, how I've heard it presented was, um, well, that you, if you have this bad thought that comes to your mind, that you need to take it and basically just kick it out of the, kick it out of, uh, of the room or whatever, right? Kick it out of your mind, right? Don't let it take root. And I, I actually, I, I think that's a part of it, but I, but I've seen there's a deeper reality here, and it goes into the, the previous verses that I want to kind of talk through. Uh, so I do think I would say that's a good practice. That's a good way of recognizing, hey, that thought, for sure. I talk a lot about recognizing, right, on this podcast. So I recognize that thought's not from God. Uh, that's a good thing. But I actually don't believe that's the core of what this verse is saying. So if you go back to the ver- verse 3, he mentions war. Okay, there's a war going on, right? Uh, and so the context here is, is a war or a battle. Okay, so now think about that for a minute. Where does a battle take place? Well, it takes place on a battlefield, right? Where is the battlefield in this in this spiritual battle? 
Well, it's in the mind. That's what we've been talking about. It's not in your spirit. Your spirit has already been fully safe and secure, and, and it's, it's, it's finished. It's done. But the soul, where the mind is, exists, is where the battle is, where the lying beliefs exist. Okay, So that's the battlefield. So he's presenting us this, this war, this, this battle that's going on. And he's saying, we live in this world, but now we're not going to go at this battle the way that the world does. Okay, And that's why he then presents, we, we aren't going to fight with the weapons that the world does. We're not going to fight with human reasoning. Okay, We're not going to fight with just my own truth or whatever I think is right. No, we're gonna. We're, we're, this is going to be divine power, <laughs> which is there in verse four. Okay, so the weapons that we're gonna fight with are not weapons that the world would use. Okay, which we're gonna go over a few of those today. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna use this divine power, which is what the power of Christ, which we already have to demolish what. There's that word strongholds. We're fighting strongholds, these fortresses. Some scriptures will use that word fortresses or strongholds. Okay, so think about the word stronghold. It, it's something if you got a hold on something, but you got a strong hold on it. Well, the man, you're it's secure. It's it's locked in. It's 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 powerful. Okay, and this is talking about the stronghold of the mental part, the the the, the, the lies. Okay, uh, and then the the fortresses. Basically, I think when I think of a fortress, I think of like a military. Even the definition of it uses the term military stronghold. It's this it's this place of a protection or defense against attacks, like you think of a fortress around a castle or something like that, preventing someone from getting in and attacking, right? So these are the things that what we're battling, okay? And where is where is this battle taking place? Where are these strongholds? They're in the mind. This is where the battle is. What are the strongholds? Well, there you go. Then he take then he, he he lets he lets us know what are the strongholds. They're arguments. This is verse five. These are the thought. We could go into thoughts, arguments, every pretension. What's the pretension mean? Pretension means it's it's this bold claim. A bi- the biblical definition of it says bold claim, whether it's true or false. That's the key thing there. So it's a bold claim. So someone makes a pretension about it. it's a bold claim. This is they, they think it's true. It's a bold statement. God doesn't really love you, or God's not for you, or God whatever that may be. It's a bold claim. Jesus wasn't really God, or you're not fully free, or whatever that bold claim. Grace really isn't that good. You're really not fully free in Christ. Whatever that bold claims, or you still got to do X, Y, and Z. Christ didn't really finish it. You got to still do bold claims, whether they're true or false. Those are pretensions. So what are we going? What do we? What do we? <laughs> what's the battle against these thoughts, ideas, false arguments, and even biblical doctrine, uh, doctrines? that don't match up with the truth of the gospel. And what are they doing? It says there in verse 5, they're setting themselves up against the knowledge of God. Setting themselves up. Right? So it's 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 power of the Holy Spirit is what's going to be revealing this. That's the power that you have. That's the divine power that we have. And so think of that. So there, there it is. The battlefield there's a battle going on. The battlefield is your mind. We don't fight this the way the world does. We're going we're gonna to actually engage in this with the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, right? Okay? This is the way. And what are, we, what are we battling against? Thoughts, ideas, false beliefs, false arguments, even biblical doctrines, and I would say religion, that don't match up with the truth of the gospel. And I would, always, I would also put in there anything that has to do with law or legalism or religiosity. We're, we're, those, are, those are the things. Those are the <laughs> So, so here it is. And so I'm, I'll talk a little bit more about spiritual war for, 
spare next time, but I wanted to mention four way, four strongholds that I believe that I see, uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's probably more, but these are some of the ones that I've dealt with and I think uh, deal with these ideas of what are these false arguments? What are these ideas? What are these uh, beliefs and thoughts that go against? So I'm going to mention four. I'm not going to unpack them too long because I want to keep this Keep this to a, to a, but and, and you might have something where you can personalize this. That's what I want you to do as I go through these fours. Personalize these for you and see what you can pull out as, oh, you know what? I've believed that. That's, that's a false argument that I've set up. That's, that's, well, that's the knowledge that I thought I had uh, about God, but it's not. Is it really true? That's, that's the knowledge that I thought I had about myself. That's the argument, the pretension, the bold claim that I had uh, about my identity. But is it really true? Okay, because remember, this is the uh, this is the battle of the thought life, the thoughts. Okay, uh, so first one is this is the stronghold of lack, and what I mean by lack is, which is one thing I struggled with, is that I it's this stronghold that we're that we believe we're missing something from God, that we're not full, we're not complete, that we're not really the new creation, that we don't aren't really free, that we that He's coming and going. It's, it's this idea, and this was one of the big lies I had about God, was that when I was engaging in my addiction, that he was leaving me. He was for surely not in me and with me uh, and very happy with me at all. Uh, but yet he was, it's like he had this coming and going type thing. When I was doing good, yeah, he was right there along with me. But when I was doing bad, he sure was disgusted and far off. Right? So, but I, but I, I believed that at a lack. So then I would say things like, well, I need to get closer to God. You know, Holy Spirit come upon me, or I would believe these lies that God was distant and far off, and I had to do my part to get Him to come back into me, or whatever, right? And also that I wasn't free. So when you don't believe you're free, when you believe you're lacking something, you're going to do one of two things: you're going to you're going to act as if you're lacking it. So I'm not free, so I'm not going to act free. Or and the other thing you're going to do is you're going to try to go after it. So I'm not free, so I'm going to go after it. When you think you lack something or you're missing something, you're going to try to go after it. Or you're just going to kind of give up and say, well, I don't have it, so screw it. I'm just going to, I don't have this freedom, so I'm just going to give in, whatever. But one of two ways, and I acted both in both of those. So Scripture clearly teaches that we lack nothing in Christ. He's given us everything for life and godliness. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He's put the fullness and the completeness of the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit, in us, and we are in Him, and He is in us. We're in union with Christ fully, that we lack nothing. But until I was willing to engage those arguments, this is where the power of the Holy Spirit comes up. Remember, I'm not fighting with it through self-help or self-improvement or what the world's teaching or even what I would say even Christianity is teaching. Oh boy, I said it, right? But religiosity, but what the Holy Spirit's revealing to me, if I'm willing, if I'm not willing to go and have my thoughts and beliefs challenged, I'll never have transformed mindset because I'm going to still stay with those thoughts and beliefs that I've had forever. Well, this is just the way I've always believed it and thought it. And that's the way it's always going to be. If I'm not willing, if I'm not willing to have those challenged thoughts and beliefs challenged, which is the hardest thing for us, it's it's probably the hardest part of the work that I do in in in, in working with clients is getting them to see that this is what they've been thinking and believing as truth. And they really, it's hard to get to that point because it's like, oh wow, I've really been believing that and thinking that and taking ownership of that. It's like, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough reality, but yet it's so freeing because then it's like now we can allow the divine power of God, the Holy Spirit, to demolish that. He's the only one that can demolish. Let me just say this: He's the only one that can demolish that. If this is a stronghold in your life, 
He's the only one that can demolish it. Maybe you've been trying to demolish stuff for a whole lot of long time. You've been trying to demolish behaviors and demolish whatever you can. You're fighting the battle out there and all this. And yet this scripture clearly says, no, we've got the divine power. He's the only one that can demolish the stronghold. So if you're believing that you lack something, whatever way that is, maybe you write something specific down in that. Let's let's give this to God because this is where the, the last part of this taking it captive is going to come in. Okay, this is where the action step for us is. The second one is shame. Uh, is shame the the stronghold of shame, which goes from I shame is a feeling, but it goes from I feel shame to I am shame. I am a shameful person. It becomes the core identity. So the feeling, remember, feelings are connected to beliefs. So if I feel like I'm a shameful person, eventually, if I continue to take ownership of that, then I begin to think that I'm a shameful person. And then now I've actually accepted it. I've taken ownership of it. And now it's a belief. Then that's what it, and shame, shame comes in all kinds of forms. It's, it's shame at the core of who I am. I'm just a un, unworthy, no good, dirty, rotten, whatever. Shame is crippling. Shame is is such a big force in in so much of of the work that I do and and, and just freedom and this these addictions because we just at some point think, well, this is just who I am and I can never change. Maybe I can cope a little better, maybe I can, you know, have this, but I really ultimately just kind of get to this place where I this is who I am. I'm just an addict, I'm just a porn addict, a, a drunkard or whatever. Whatever behavior that is, I'm, that's just who I am, and I can never change. And that presents this, this hopelessness. The shame idea of this is that it's it's hopeless. I'm I'm, I'm now hopeless. I'm I'm there's no there's no hope, and there's no hope of change. There's no hope of whatever. So shame really cuts to the core of hopelessness too, because now uh, this is just who I am. And so what's the answer to that? Was well, that is that Jesus nailed shame to the cross? He took on all of our shame. The answer is always going to be Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what's two plus two? Well, well, if you didn't answer, no, I'm just kidding. But but the answer is always. My daughters used to tease me with that when we were young. We we I'd be doing some school homework with them, and we'd be going through a math problem. And they'd say, my my oldest daughter would joke every once in a while. I know the answer is Jesus, but I, she would just joke. But anyway, the answer is Jesus, right? What's the answer to shame? But because we've taken ownership of this so long, what's the only thing that's going to demolish that stronghold of shame? It's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Will we let him do that? What, what, what does shame look like in your life? Maybe that's a great question to ask. What does shame look like in your life? I don't want to go too much in that. I've done some episodes on shame, so uh, I would c- encourage you to go back and look through some of those. But, um, but that's, that's a really powerful one. The answer to shame is to look to the cross and resurrection, to look what Christ did to take away our shame. He embraced our shame on our behalf and took it to the cross and nailed to the cross so that we can be shame-free. You are shame-free, brother and sister in Christ. You are shame-free. Now, the other one, other stronghold is what I call false identities. False identities are things that we think we are. We think we're this, but we're really not. Uh, And this goes, some of these run the gamut. Some of these, the the shame goes with the false identity because the shame identity is that. But there's other false identities. I'm unworthy. I'm unacceptable. Or the other side of it, I'm self-sufficient, I'm a go-getter, I'm a, I'm a self-made man or woman, I can go out there and get her done, I, uh, or I'm, 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 I'm only as good as, as, as my, my performance or approval, or which is going to be one of the next ones, actually. But I'm only as good as what I do. Uh, there's all kinds of these false identities that we wear. And so what's the answer? 
Well, again, the answer is believing truth, thinking and believing truth about what God says about us, which is our identity is now secure, safe. We are his much-loved son. It's sonship. It's understanding sonship. It's understanding that you're his much-loved son and believing that and embracing that. But but to, to get to that point, we've got to recognize what is the false identity that I'm living out of. What is the false identity? That I'm unloved, that I'm unworthy, that I'm unacceptable, that I'm insecure, and whatever that is. Recognizing what I've built my life on as a false identity is a huge thing because then now we can allow the Holy, we can give that to the Holy Spirit. We can take that thought captive. That's where the action step is. God, I give you this false identity of being unworthy, of being a self-made man, of being able to figure this out on my own. I give you this false identity that I've got it all together, or whatever that may be for you. Uh, We've talked a lot about identity on here, but whatever that identity is, I give that to you, Lord, and I ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit to demolish that stronghold, to break that, that lie, that I can reject that lie, Lord, and then replace it with truth. This is where I'm taking the thought. This has, this taking thought captive has nothing to do with behavior. I'm not taking my behavior captive and giving, no, I'm taking, it says take the thought captive, take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ, making it obedient. So what am I doing? Am I, is this about behavior? I'm giving him my porn addiction. No, I'm giving him my thought life and saying, Lord, is this true? That's the obedience that we're talking about here. It's the obedience of of thought, because as I'm thinking truth and believing truth, I am surely going to be acting on truth. The truth really will set us free. So these false identities cut to the core. Maybe you have to engage God with that. Lord, I give this to you. I give this false identity of whatever that is, fill in the blank. Uh, and maybe that's some time that you can spend this week of really just engaging God with that. Lord, Lord, reveal that he's never going to shame you. Oh, boy. Well, Matt, you've just been living out of this unworthy. OK, shame, shame. No, no. Remember, remember the two, the, the, the two strongholds, kind of the, the, the broad category at the top were a false perception of God and a false understanding of identity. So these all kind of fall under those. And many of these false identities we wear because we have a false perception of God and a false understanding of ourselves and who we really are as the new creation, his much-loved sons and daughters. So, And the fourth one I want to mention real quick to wrap up is this performance approval. And this goes with identity too, but performance and approval I see is so much. And I would probably even add in acceptance there. I didn't, I didn't really think about that, but I think that word acceptance is also there. Because the reason why we're performing and we're trying to get approval is ultimately for acceptance. We want to be accepted by God. We want to be accepted by other people. And oftentimes we can't even accept ourselves and approve of ourselves because we're not living up to certain expectations or standards that we have set on ourselves or other people have set on, set on us or even that we think God has set on us. One of the biggest lies that I believed about God was that I had to be more spiritual and do a bunch of religious things or a bunch of religious spiritual activities to become more spiritual so I could know him more. Uh, so that I could be closer to God. That was one of the biggest lies, I believe. So it was up to my performance, uh, and based on my performance was how God was going to bless me or not. When you believe that, that's how you're going to act. So I spent much of my life trying to do religious activities and engage in religiosity to try to get God to like me more (laughs) and love me more and be closer to me through my performance, through my spiritual performance. So if that's one of your core lies, that's going to be a huge driving stronghold that will need to be demolished. And I will need you, you at some point you'll need to take that captive and say, you know what, Lord, that's not true. That's not true based on scripture. I have everything I need in you. 
and you are not viewing me by my performance. Jesus' performance on the cross was fully sufficient to accomplish everything necessary. Fully efficient. I can trust that. I can choose to trust your performance, Lord, and not what I'm doing and not doing. And actually, out of releasing that, <clears throat> maybe you just need to release that today. Release this, like just take a deep breath right now and just release that performance, approval, acceptance, treadmill that you've been on for who knows how long. And you've just been living out of that for most of your life. Performing for God, performing for other people, trying to get approval. And at this point, you're just like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm, I've been on that hamster wheel for so long. I know, I was too. And I'm going to tell you what, it's so freeing. Take the pressure off yourself right now. You don't have to do a darn thing for the Lord. I hear you say that. You don't have to do a darn thing for the Lord. But you get to. You get to. You don't have to. You get to. There's a totally different mentality. The pressure's off. Hear me. Hear me, brothers and sisters in Christ. The pressure's off. The performance pressure, the, the approval pressure from God, from other people. You can be comfortable in your own skin. It doesn't mean that if the Holy Spirit brings something up about your behavior, of course we, we want to listen to that. Of course we do. This is not. I'm not saying that behavior doesn't matter in this. No, it does. But ultimately, when I was believing the lie that I had to perform in order to get something, that's where it becomes the lie. That's where the distortion comes. And the enemy does it very subtly. It's very subtly. The world and the power of sin and the flesh present it subtly, just like they did to Eve, just like he did to Eve. It was like, oh, you can be God. God didn't really tell you not to eat. It's, it's the subtle distortion. It's the difference between good and evil. It's the difference between good and evil. It's the choice. Instead of choosing from the tree of life. We have the tree of life living in us. We have life in us. And so those are kind of the, the, a few things there. And I, so, so then what does it wrap up with? It says, and we, so that's, we were demolishing those arguments. What are those for you? Maybe you, you've got, I would say out of those four, you could probably narrow it down to two or three probably false perceptions you have of God or lying beliefs and probably two or three, one or two for sure, lying beliefs about yourself. The big one about myself was I was un, I'm unworthy, I'm unacceptable. Those were my two false beliefs. That was kind of a shame-based um, identity. And then number and then the one about God was, well, God is God is expecting me to perform a certain way or to live up to this re- spiritual activity religion. And then also that God was ultimately withholding blessings if I wasn't going to find freedom from this behavior. I mean, there were some core beliefs there that I had about God that He was coming and going based on what I was doing. He was blessing me based on what I was doing or not doing. So that may be a really good exercise for you this week to really engage God with this because the truth does set us free. And so we take the thought captive. This is a this is the idea that that the thought comes in. Remember we said we have hundreds of thoughts coming in into our mind each day, but we've probably taken ownership of two or three core ones about God and two or three core ones about our identity, and those have become our beliefs. So out of these hundreds of thoughts that we're hit with every day, we've taken ownership of probably two or three, and it could be more, but it's probably a core ones of two or three of those, and those have become the way we operate, the way we believe. We've taken ownership of those for so long that we now just, so that's what's got to be taken captive. That's what's got to be demolished. And, the, and who does it? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. 
you don't have to try to muster up more power in this. Your responsibility is availability to God to say, Lord, I've, I've been thinking and believing this is true for 30 years of my life. And I don't think it's true by your Holy Spirit, by your divine power, which lives in me. Reveal this to me. Reveal this to me. I, I need you to demolish the stronghold. I'm tired of fighting the battle. Maybe you could say that today. I'm just tired of fighting the battle. Lord, I need you to demolish the stronghold. And this has to do with truth and lies. Okay, again, get your get your mind off of the, the behavior part of it because behavior, and this can be frustrating, behavior is often the last thing to transform because until thoughts and beliefs are transformed, behavior is never going to fully be long-lasting transformation until those thoughts and beliefs are transformed. It's just not. You can get some temporary success, but until until those are fully renewed in our minds of the truth, we won't act on it until we actually believe it's true. Uh, and it doesn't come from feelings. You won't feel this right away. You're still going to feel that you're a dirty, no rotten, whatever. You're still going to feel like it's your behavior is who you are and all what you do. is. You're still going to feel all those things are true. But I want to ask you to go beyond your feelings because your feelings are connected to your thoughts and beliefs. And that's what he's saying there. We take the thought captive. So this is <laughs> the more you know of God's uh, how he sets you free, uh, I think the easier it becomes to recognize these false thoughts, these lying thoughts, the, because now you're you're living in truth. You're knowing how much God loves you. You're knowing his full acceptance and grace uh, the, that's for you. And so I want to talk a little bit the next time about spiritual warfare, because that's a phrase that gets thrown out a lot. But that's what I really wanted you to focus on today, the, those things. So so uh, we'll, we'll go into that a little bit more. But that's how I see that verse now. It's It's the idea, this is a battle. And so, yes, is it a good idea to take all those stinking, thinking thoughts as they come in and discard them? Yes, but when we think of it in the terms of this is the, the battlefield is your mind, and and I've got all of these kind of these thoughts that are coming in, and most of the time, if we're honest, they're probably negative thoughts, right? Uh, and so, if I'm taking ownership of them, that's where the battle comes in. That's where that's where the 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 war is fought, and be be. What would what, I say? I, I would end this by saying, trust God that he is already revealing truth. He will be the one to be faithful to demolish these strongholds. Our role is to trust him. Our role is availability. Our, our role is to allow him to reveal these thoughts and beliefs that we've held for maybe years and years. I've always believed this. I've always thought this. But is it true? Because remember, pretension, it's, it's a bold claim. It's a fortress. It's a, it's a, it's an argument. All of these are set up against what the knowledge of God. So that's what this battle is for, and the truth really will set you free. So I hope that encourages you. We're going to continue on. We're going to talk a little bit about spiritual warfare and also the difference between thoughts and beliefs. Because I've had that question come up. Well, you're talking a lot about thoughts and beliefs, but is there a difference? And there is, and we'll go through that too. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Please reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to uh, just support you in whatever way we can. We offer one-on-one coaching. Uh, please reach out to us if you'd like to pursue that. We also have a several resources that we have available. Our devotional, our first book is available. So feel free to check those out. And as we say here on this podcast, come as you are and find freedom. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.